Hello, everyone, and welcome to not just another episode of Lords Limited. We've got the March of the Machines crash course here for you. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line, as always, is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, are you ready to talk March of the Machines previews? I'm not only ready to talk about March of the Machine, Ben. I'm ready to battle, baby. You're ready to battle. Oof, but um, yeah, got him. I, sorry, I had to do it. I have not one, not two, but three different beverages in front of me on my desk. How is I that possible? A, I, I have uh, a half finished seltzer from last night that is nice and flat and room temp. I have a fresh one out the fridge and I have a heaping cup of coffee. I'm ready for you, baby. I've got one drink. Diamond Dew for life. I'm a one drink man. <laughs> I mean, it, it does it all, right? It hydrates you. It caffeinates you. And what more can you want? It, it removes things. It, I gargled right before we started the show with Diamond Dew. It's a cleanser. I mean, it does it all. Truly a horrifying thing to share with our <laughs> listeners. Um, but Diamond Dew, we are looking for a sponsor for the podcast. So if you want, you know, just uh, just hit us up. We'll be here. We have much to discuss, Ben. Much to get through. Um, if you've never joined us for preview season before, first of all, welcome. We're so excited to have you. Second of all, we do things a little differently here. We won't be doing a card-by-card card set review for March of the Machine, though we have done that. So we have a spreadsheet where we have all the commons and uncommons. The rares we haven't touched yet, that'll be on our tier list when Ben gets to it in a little bit. Don't worry about it. But in the spreadsheet, you'll see all the commons and uncommons graded by both of us. So we'll get to that in a second. But we're going to take care of some big picture stuff first. We're going to look at removal, stacking up against creature sizing. We're going to look at the archetypes. We're going to look at sort of like the density of keywords, things that sort of shape a limited format like incidental life gain, sweepers, flying and flying hate, all that good stuff. Then we get to the grading scale. Talk about the grading scale. Get to the cards that we've graded where we have the biggest differences. So if I graded something a C minus and Ben, ever the optimist, graded it a C plus, that's a two gradation difference. We're going to talk about that card. We'll duke it out. And then we'll get to perhaps one of the biggest differences we've ever had in our lists of top three commons and top two uncommons in each color. So a ton to get to. Did I leave anything out, Ben? I don't think so. I'm, I'm looking forward to chatting. We've got a lot to talk about, so we'll get right to it. A few housekeeping things to take care of. First things first, Patreon page. Patreon.com slash Lords of Limited is where folks can go to get back to the show if they so choose. We say this each and every time a new set rolls around, which certainly currently feels like it's every other week. Um, but when a new set rolls around, the Discord is the place to be. And that's what everybody who gives back via the Patreon gets access to. The Discord is the best place on the internet for 24-7 limited tech support. A lot of other great stuff as you move up the reward tiers on the Patreon page, like access to our show notes. If you want a ton of visual information, if you're more of a visual learner, well, I don't know what you're doing on a podcast, but if you're more of a visual learner, um, we've got that covered for you with our show notes, which are detailed. Let me see how many pages we got here in this Google Docs six heaping pages plus our spreadsheet. That's a lot of good content. We've also got the episode a day in advance in your listening earbuds. We've released that on Sunday for some of our patrons. And of course, all the way up the reward tiers is access to monthly coaching sessions with me or Ben. So if any or all of that sounds of interest to you, the Patreon page is the place to be. And of course, we want to welcome our new patrons the first week that they join. So I'm going to ask Ben to join me in welcoming this week, Jacob, RJ, Sean, Douglas, Austin, Josh, Alan, Scott, Josh, Flo, Diego, Robbie, Some Random Tom, Douglas, Ravon, Ivar, Jeremy, Brittany, Will, and Aaron. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support. Yeah, cannot say thank you enough. Those folks know what's up. They're getting in on the Discord at the start of a new format, and you should be as well. We've also... Speaking of exciting happenings around here, we've got a new set coming out, and I got got by our clickbait title <laughs> on the resurrection of the Lords of Limited YouTube channel. Ethan, what's going on there? 
Well, we got some practice drafts flowing thanks to our Discord and uh, one of the channels in there. And I hopped to one of those and I was like, you know what? This would make for some pretty good content. I can't really fire up a stream right now taking care of Jonah, but I, I can carve out a 20 to 30 minute chunk at a time to do a little practice draft. And it seems a little different than, you know, you're just doing like a bot draft or whatever against some AI on some website of the new set. That I don't think is that interesting, but we're drafting with seven other people, you know, who've invested some amount of time in learning the cards and whatever. So I, uh, I fired up a little practice draft video and we got two of those up on the YouTube channel and I assume I'll, I'll throw up a few more. So the, the Lords of Limited YouTube channel is back from the dead um, and you can expect more content coming there uh, in the coming weeks. And I think some folks don't know that this draft pod coordination channel exists in our discord. There are a lot of channels in our discord if you've never yes. been there. And it can be a bit overwhelming when you first come in the first time. But if you want to get in on this sort of stuff, or you're already in the discord, and you didn't know this was happening, check pod draft coordination. It's under all the March of the Machines channels and hop on in there, get in the queue and see if you can fire a draft. Yeah, it's a, it's a really like really awesome bot. You just like join it and then you get a message when the pod fills. You have like five minutes to join. It's it's really it's very intuitive. Shout out to our mods. I believe that's Neil who specifically set up that bot. To, but shout out to all of our mods on our IT and the discord for setting all that up. All right, Ben, ready to get some stats? Let's do it. Okay, so we like to break down like creatures and average power toughness. We're not really quite doing that, partially because it's nearly impossible <laughs> to figure out. I'd shout out to whoever's going to be doing that kind of data. I wonder what Sirkovitz may be doing to assemble this kind of data on 17 lands or whatever. There's so many variable creatures. I didn't know how to count them all. Like with backup, like do you count a 2-2 creature with backup as a 3-3? Three, three? Do you count incubate tokens as creatures or things that make like enchantments that make large incubate tokens of those creatures? How do you count battles? Uh, and there's definitely other things that have variable power and toughness beyond that. So, I, you know, when I searched Scryfall for creatures at common or uncommon, the number I was given was 111. So... I'm going to take that number as the total number of creatures in the format. What was that you were saying? I started to nod off when you said variables and, and numbers. Are we are we back yet? Wow. <laughs> it wasn't even a seven minute YouTube video and Ben's already out. <laughs> I just 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 can't resist the urge to uh, poke data when I get the chance. He's going to needle me sub 10 minutes into the show. OK, so what we are going to look at here with those creatures is what number slash percentage does the removal hit, the specific removal hits of the 111 creatures. So we like to, to check in on things that are going to hit specifically X1s, X2s, X3s, etc. So starting with the X1s, um, the one toughness creatures, there are a couple uncommon color hoser cards that hit one toughness creatures. First up, we have Glistening Deluge. This is one black black for a sorcery. All creatures get minus one, minus one until end of turn. Creatures that are green and or white get an additional minus two minus two until end of turn we've also got lithomantic barrage red for a sorcery the spell can't be countered deals one damage to target creature or planeswalker and it deals five damage instead if that target is white or blue i don't think i'm trying to main deck either of those cards if i can help it but those are ways to punish specific one toughness creatures but also remember that cards like skittering surveyor the three mana one two that finds a land right things that replace themselves that can trade with one ones the one one thopters that are, are a few cards uh, have running around the, these are things that also blank or can effectively trade with one toughness creatures so of the total 111 creatures 22 percent of them have one toughness so about one in five have one toughness and the creatures i think largely as we'll see once we get up up the scales here there's some smaller in general like there's not i mean not that there's a ton usually of you know four toughness five toughness six toughness whatever 
but the creatures are, are kind of small in this format. Yes. And I think these color hosers, just to rant for a second, most of them are not main deckable, but the green and the white one are. And the white mm-hmm. one is such a blowout if it's playing against a white and a red deck. It's very weird that some of them are main deckable and some are not. What's the white one? It gives a thing hexproof and then black and red creatures don't deal combat damage. Right. Yeah. yeah. So you just like potentially plague wind your opponent for one mana. Yeah, it's pretty gross. All right. That takes us on to X2s. We've got a couple removal spells here that are going to deal with two toughness creatures. First up, we've got Final Flourish. This is one in a black for an instant. It's got Kicker of Sacrifice and Artifact or Creature. Tart creature gets minus two, minus two until end of turn. If the spell was kicked, that creature gets minus six, minus six until end of turn instead. And there's also Searing Barb, which is two in a red for a sorcery. It deals two damage to any target. If it's a creature, it can't block this turn. And then you incubate one. So a couple ways to deal with two toughness creatures, which brings us up to 49% just shy of half of all of the common and uncommon creatures that these cards will deal with. All right, moving on to removal that deals with X3s. We've got a lot here. First up yeah. is Volcanic Spite, which is a banger. One in a red for an instant, deals three damage to target creature, planeswalker, or battle. You may put a card from your hand on the bottom of your library. If you do, draw a card. There's Collective Nightmare. It's two and a black for an instant at uncommon. It has Convoke, and it says target creature gets minus three, minus three until end of turn. We've also got Elspeth Smite. This is another uncommon. White for an instant, deals three damage to target attacking or blocking creature. If that creature would die this turn, exile it instead. I kind of like that card. I do too. I think it's a big difference between the the two mana that we usually see that effect at and it being one mana. One mana is a lot less than two mana. Um, and the last one here is Invasion of Ulgrotha. This is one of the many battles we'll be discussing today. Uh, we'll just talk about the front side here, which is four and a black. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, it deals three damage to any target and you gain... Oh, sorry. It deals three damage to any other target, and you gain three life. Important word there. It can't Um, target itself. Yeah, it can't target itself. Um, So there are so many ways to deal with three toughness creatures specifically, and that's good because there's 73% total of the commons and uncommons that are three toughness or less. So that's a big whopping chunk of them. All right, moving on to cards that are going to hit X4s. First up, we've got Failed Conversion. Four and a black for an aura, Enchant Creature. Enchanted Creature gets minus four, minus four. When Enchanted Creature dies, you Surveil two. And then there is Stoke the Flames. Two red, red for an instant with Convoke. Deals four damage to any target. And that's going to hit 92% of all creatures. So once you get up to those X4 removal spells, you're, you're basically killing most things. Right. And there's nothing specifically that targets five toughness, a couple things that target six toughness, which there are only two <laughs> of the 111 creatures with six toughness exactly. Um, we had the, the kicked final flourish, the aforementioned card that gets minus six, minus six if you sack an artifact or creature. And we've also got Shatter the Source, five and a red for an instant with Convoke. Choose one, it deals six damage to target creature, planeswalker, or battle, or destroy target artifact. And then there was one other thing I wanted to check, which was there's a card Vanquish the Weak, two and a black for an instant, destroy target creature with power three or less. I was curious, like, how good this is going to be. It's going to be pretty darn good. It hits 80% of the creatures. And again, it's like tough to know because of all the different variability with backup, etc. But that's a large number of creatures. It's interesting. Black has a ton of removal spells, as we'll talk about in just a second. And, you know, Vanquish the Weak, On first glance, I was like, oh, this is probably going to be one of the weaker ones. But seeing how many it kills, I don't know. It might be moving up the power rankings for me. All right. You'll love to see it. So, yeah. So the, the big takeaway here for me is that I think four is the magic number. 
as it often is, but the fact that there's a lot of stuff that targets three toughness specifically, that that represents about three-fourths of the creatures, um, I think four toughness is going to feel large in the format. Well, and then backing up those three toughness creatures to get right. them four toughness is going to be pretty sweet as well then, potentially. Right. That's a really good point, for sure. Um, So in our spreadsheet where we have all the grades, we also have a removal tab where I went through and and just sort of looked at what all the removal is doing and, and want to chat about some noteworthy things about the removal. So the list is a lot longer if you follow along in, in crash courses before. The list is a lot longer than we usually see, and that's because of the battles, right? The battles are an additional number of cards, right? They pull from the pool of battle cards for that one slot in the packs. So we have more uncommons because the battles, because of the battles that act as removal. And black and red, as per usual, get a ton of removal, but there's a lot of variable ones. So that's different than normal. So black gets minus two, minus two with a kicker power three or less that we just talked about, as well as minus three, minus three and minus four, minus four. So done tons of different points on the, the power and toughness curve there that black's going to be able to deal with. And red gets a deal one, deal two, three, four and six. That is the most variability I think we've seen with black and red in the same format. Right. Usually it's a kill anything dead and then like a smaller removal spell or two. Right, exactly. Or and red usually maybe a maybe a two, three, and a five, but a one, two, three, four, and a six, that's a lot. And then a white, you get pacifism effect at common and an O-ring effect at uncommon. That's very normal. Green gets a bite at common and uncommon, plus a battle that fights. And then blue, you get a lot of interaction, kind of in quotes, but the only one that really won for ones is temporal cleansing. It's three and a blue for a sorcery with convoke, and the owner of target non-land permanent puts it into their library second from the top or on the bottom. And drafters that underrate removal rejoice. That's me I'm talking to. <laughs> Clunky colorless removal is back. So when you end the draft, you're like, I actually have no way to interact. Urn of Godfire is there for you. That's one mana for an artifact. Two to tap. It filters for two mana. So two add one mana of any color. And then has six tap. Sacrifice it to destroy target creature or enchantment. Please don't put Urn of Godfire in your deck. Oh, I'm not 100% going to. How I played so many of that stupid card in Bro the one mana it was seven mana to blow something up <laughs> i played that a lot <laughs> that's not good i know it's not good um and we have a long list of things that we didn't count in our spreadsheet tab of removal you know artifact and enchantment specificate that i do want to talk about one card real quick um some battle specific removal an edict effect to make your opponent sacrifice a creature there are four counter spells in blue and then there's a bounce spell in blue uh an aura that shrinks a creature to an o2 in blue and a, a steel effect in furnace reigns in red the one card I do want to talk about here with you, Ben, is Atraxa's Fall. It says one on a green for a sorcery. Destroy target artifact, enchantment, creature with flying, or battle. And this is not like you destroy a battle and then it flips back to your side. This just like destroys the permanent. Do we think that this kind of effect that would normally be a sideboard card is going to be main deckable because of this battle text? I don't think so after thinking about it a little bit more because your opponent's already gotten the front half of the value on the battle and that's usually just a slightly overcosted card's worth of value so i think mm. you're still pretty bad at Traxxas falling all but the best of the battles that's what i think so that's what i think as well but i thought it was important to talk about because i think a lot of people would have had the same thought process looking at this card as we did well, there's right. also another one we should talk about. Sender the Gateway. Stop it. One in a white. <laughs> Destroy target non-token artifact or enchantment. <laughs> Opponent controls. Incubate two. And then you also incubate two and then can transform an incubator token you control. So I think, first of all, this is just 
better than it looks at first glance, because the fail case on this is a 2-2 incubator token that you get transformed. And some decks are going to be very interested in that effect. But we also had a a very nice interaction in our our chat in Discord between you and I, our private chat. I just want to be clear that you're the one bringing this up. Like... (laughs) I think it's good content. It is good content. <laughs> we learned the battles are not enchantments. I, I typed in our Discord. If you if you blow up your opponent's battle with this, you just flip it for them, right? And Ethan's response was, "Battles are not enchantments, Ben." <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, of course, obviously." <laughs> yeah, Ben goes, "Yeah, right." So bad idea to target your opponent's battle with this, right? <laughs> like I couldn't believe it. I was like, because like, I reread the card like four times. I was like, what am I missing? I was like, <laughs> oh, I'm missing that Ben thinks battles are enchantments. And of course he does. Yeah, you just you just get me. I get you. All right, we're gonna take a quick ad break. And then we'll be back with the rest of the crash course. From the gas pump to the grocery store, your utility bills and your favorite streaming services. Inflation is everywhere. I hear they even tried to sell fake beta packs for 250 bucks a pop. It has to stop. Thankfully, there's one company out there that's giving you a much-needed break. It's Mint Mobile. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you order from home and save a ton, with phone plans starting at just $15 a month. By going online only and eliminating the traditional costs of retail, Mint Mobile passes significant savings on to you. It's kind of like Convoke for your wallet. No, it's like Phyrexian Mana for your wallet. Either way, you're more likely to get a headache reading through a page full of battles than you are a simple Mint Mobile phone plan. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com LOL. That's mintmobile.com LOL. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash LOL. All right, we're back and we're into the next section of the crash course, which is where we're going to talk about all of the different archetypes and kind of how well they're supported. We're going to get into the mechanics and things like that afterwards. And if you've not listened to our episode last week, we went over all the mechanics in depth. We're going to touch on them again here. So first, let's get into the archetypes. White blue, according to Wizards of the Coast, has been advertised as knights. And it's an archetype that's one of two different archetypes that has a creature type component. It's a combat focused deck that makes use of the knight creature type. And from what it looks like to me is going to play out pretty hard as a tempo aggro deck. So if you've been playing a lot of blue white spirits in Shadows Over Innistrad Remastered, White Blue Knights looks like it's going to play out in a similar fashion, except on the ground riding horses instead of flying in the air. It's pretty cool. I mean, it's like a, a twist on what the, what it usually does, right? But but I think we'll play out in a similar way, but with knights instead of flyers. Next up is Blue Black Graveyard. This deck mills everyone and then takes advantage of graveyards being filled. We have a return to Zendikar with that mechanic of caring about, I believe, eight cards in your opponent's graveyard that the, the rogue deck did. There was that rogue deck in Constructed that took advantage of all that. And that mechanic is back here. So you're going to see that being checked as well. Next up, we have Black Red, which is Sacrifice, Rectangle Theory, back in full force. This is a controlling deck that creates resources that it then sacrifices, especially artifacts. Red Green, this is feels, again, just such like a cop-out. Red Green is battles. The whole format is battles, Watsy, come on. Uh, it says this archetype takes advantage of the new battle cards, including cards that aid you in interacting with them. I don't think so. I think this is a legitimate archetype. I think it's red, green, five color battles, like splash all of the battles. Okay. (laughs) 
Wow. Yeah. Did you hear the skepticism there? I'm excited. <laughs> Folks, I promise you Red Green Battles is real. Next up, we've got Green White plus one plus one counters. This is a go wide archetype that makes use of plus one plus one counters to build up your army. Next up is White Black, which is Phyrexians. This is the archetype that mechanically cares about the Phyrexian creature type and makes a lot of use of Incubate. Next up, we've got Blue-Red Convoke. This archetype has the most Convoke spells and makes use of its creatures to cast a lot of them. That's not even an exciting tagline. I think this might be the archetype I am the most skeptical of, and it sounds like Wizards of the Coast is trying to convince themselves too. It has the most Convoke spells, not all of them, and it makes use of them. Not not does good things with them. <laughs> wow, Ben really, uh, the grammar police is here and I'm here for it. Black green is incubate. This archetype is about playing bigger creatures and makes use of larger incubate tokens. That's interesting, this distinction between white black caring about Phyrexians and black green caring about incubate. Next, we've got red white backup. This archetype makes the most use of the new backup mechanic, allowing your creatures to team up and take out the Phyrexians. And lastly, we have green-blue, Transformation. This archetype takes advantage of all of the transforming double-faced cards in the set, including Phyrexians, Incubate tokens, and battles, and mechanically rewards you for transforming. So blue-green, good cards, I think. Great. I love blue-green, good cards. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be good, too. Yeah. All right, so if we talk about those new and returning mechanics, first one we're going to take a look at is backup here. There are 16 different cards with backup that are concentrated in Naya, which is relevant because like, let's say you know that red white is backup and you start your draft red white, you know, you've got some red cards, you've got some white cards, and then red and white start to dry up and you've got the choice to like dip your toe into green or blue. You want to dip your toe into green because you're going to find some more backup there and maybe some plus one plus one counter overlap type stuff. So backup concentrated in the Naya colors, really good aggressive mechanic here, I think. And I am most excited about it enabling surprise attacks on battles. I think that's going to be a huge part of the format, just how backup and aggressive decks force your opponent to interact when they're trying to protect battles that you give them. Yeah, it's really hard. I found it hard to evaluate a lot of the backup cards, thinking about them as split cards. And, you know, we often talk about split cards. You're like, well, I'm not really excited about, like, maybe you feel like you're paying a premium for either half, but getting that modality, getting that choice, you're often okay to pay that premium because it's valuable, especially in limited, to have that kind of choice. So we're going to talk about a lot of those backup cards when we get to our card grade differences and our top three commons. Next up is Incubate. Uh, there are 22 cards with Incubate, and these are concentrated in Abzan, so that's white, black, and green. And there's a cycle, well, air quotes cycle, because I think red is left out of it, but there's a cycle of enchantments that I want to talk about a few of them here, because they look pretty darn strong. Um, and these are enchantments that sort of beef up your Phyrexians and also make large Incubate tokens. First up, we've got Phyrexian Awakening. It's two and a white for an enchantment. When it enters the battlefield, incubate four. And Phyrexians you control have Vigilance. So something I think you really need to internalize when you're thinking about these cards, because it's so easy to look at this card and be like, this doesn't do anything. It's a three-man enchantment that doesn't affect the board, which is true, but you don't have to play it on turn three. Playing this on turn five and flipping that incubate token is totally fine. Because that, in theory, may also give other Phyrexians you have Vigilance. Remember, we talked about with battles, you want to be able to play offense and defense, and what does that better than Vigilance? But also, you can do this on turn three, and then on turn four, you have something to do with two mana. Otherwise, have the two mana to flip this 4-4, four four, and then you get to attack with it. It has haste, because it doesn't have summoning sickness, because it's been on the battlefield for a turn. Right, so it's five total mana for a 4-4, four, four, but you're able to pay it in, in installments, yes. which is way more powerful 
than a five mana four four. And just the the static effect of the enchantment also excellent. And there's a lot more Phyrexians running around than just incubate tokens. Not quite as many as there were in one, right? It was like basically every creature in one was a Phyrexian, but there's definitely more than just those tokens. And so for example, another one, the green one is Tangled Skyline, four and a green for enchantment. ETBs, you gain five life, incubate five, and Phyrexians you control have reach. This card's excellent, right? It's very good, yes. Yeah, I mean, because one of the things that makes me nervous about these is this sort of like, well, it comes into play and you're not affecting the board immediately. Sure, that's true. Five life is a whole heck of a lot of life to work with if you're worried about that. Yes. Yeah, this is the this is that sort of uh, Phyrexian lindworm honey mammoth variant. All right, next up is battles. We will be talking a lot about battles today, tomorrow, the coming weeks, the coming months. This has to be the format defining mechanic, right? That is my take, yes. I am approaching all of my card evaluations currently as if battles are the best thing to do in the format. You know, we went into Neo and we were like, eh, these sagas, are they good? Are they, you know, is there too much of a delay uh-huh. before you get the creatures? And then no. after week one, it was like, lol, take the saga every time, <laughs> right? Like, that's yeah. how I'm evaluating battles, that it's going to be like, duh, there's a battle in the pack still, you take the battle. I, I think they are that good, and I think they're going to completely shape the format. And if not, I'll adjust. But my my baseline coming in is that I want to be casting battles and trying to force my opponents into bad blocks while I'm attacking down the battles that I gave them. So as we talked about with the, the return of the Lords Limited YouTube channel, I've done a few of the practice drafts from our Discord. Have you done any? I have done one. Okay, so my takeaway is my second draft, I had no battles in my deck and I felt bad. <laughs> so that's one. Um, I think <laughs> I think like ending a draft with no battles is something. Point two, I can't believe we've made it, what, 30 minutes into the episode and we haven't talked about this. The companions are back, Ben. <laughs> How have we not talked about this? We won't be talking much about this slot, the Multiverse Legend slot. So this is another dedicated slot, much like the Retro Artifacts from Bro or the Mystical Archive from Strixhaven. This is a dedicated slot pulling from reprints, and we have the full cycle of 10 companions. And in one of my practice drafts, I don't know what people are doing. I don't know if they don't listen to me. I don't know if they were just being nice to me and letting me see companions, but I got past not one, but two companions. Gigantha whipped around the table. I couldn't believe it. Um, but I ended my draft with a nice Lutri companion with a, a one of every card in my deck, which is pretty nice. But the other thing I wanted to talk about that I, I took away from these practice drafts with the battles were that they're all largely expensive, right? So they're all largely in this, I think, four plus mana value range. I mean, there's some cheaper ones, but they're all being largely in the four plus mana value range, I think makes it a bit of a choke point, or that's at least how I felt a little bit. And that good, cheap creatures were hard to come by. So this idea of like, you want to affect the board on turn two, turn three, then drop a battle and attack it. I found that harder to achieve than I would have initially thought. I have seen that narrative floating around the Lords of Limited Discord that it is difficult to come by good cheap creatures and I don't see it from looking at the spoiler and and in the draft I did. My two drop slot was overfloweth with a bounty oh. of good cards but in the price draft I did. What was your color pair? Red green. Okay, all right. All right. So I'm I'm curious to see how that ends up playing out in practice because I think there are a lot of two drops. I maybe agree that they're not spectacular, all of them, but there are mm-hmm. a lot of interchangeable power levels. So you're going to have to play two drops. And then my more thought was, I don't necessarily care which ones they are. That you're just like, I got to get on board. I don't care how I get on board, because as long as I'm on board, then my battles are better. 
Right. That you care a lot about getting the right battles and the right three drops to maybe give backup to your two drops or cards that are going to pressure battles well. And then it's all going to be about can you flip the battles? Yeah. And the other thought I had about battles is what are aggro decks doing if they're not flipping battles? Like there's not an aggro deck that's just going to try to kill the opponent, right? I think there might be because one of the things I I do want to – I'll jump ahead here is that there's almost no incidental life gain in the format, right? We've got – there's the cycle of enter the battlefield tapped gain lands, which like what about 50% of the time replace a basic, but that's not that much of a buffer. There's like a couple gain and drain effects in black. There's a couple creatures with lifelink. It's pretty scarce. And I was like, why is this so scarce? And I was wondering if it's because people's life totals are sort of artificially higher with the presence of battles that like, you know, everybody's basically start. If you have a couple battles in your deck, everybody's at like 25 to 30 life if people are attacking battles instead. And so then they didn't want to have a lot of life gain. And so I think if you don't have battles, if you play against that, I think you could take advantage of the fact that there's almost no life gain in the format. I agree. I had that same thought about life gain, but aren't you also, and again, this is all theory crafting here, but I think it's interesting theory crafting. If you're an aggro deck without battles and you're just trying to get your opponent dead, you're going to be turning your thing sideways and the battles are so powerful that if your opponent sticks a battle and then flips it while you're trying to kill them, like it's going to make it to where they get to stabilize because the battles are so powerful, you know? Especially if it's one of the ones that feels like a two for one, right? That's like, uh, God forbid, it's one of the kill spells on the front side or damage on the front side type deal or, you know, the creature is a two for one when it flips, etc. Right. And then the other real question that I've got just for how battles are going to affect the format is how are control decks going to go about playing battles and then defending battles that they're given by the opponents, right? That's going to be a big part of building a control deck in the in the format is that you need to be good at defending battles. Right. Well, and that I think best of three, you know, when we get to the open weekend at the very least, but any sort of competitive events, and certainly if you're just playing best of three on Arena or Magic Online or at your LGS, whatever, like sideboarding is going to be so interesting. Like you might just be like, oh, your battles are better than mine. So I just need my whole game plan has to be defend the battles you give me and not let them flip. And so you just like turn into a control deck. I think that's going to be really interesting. So I I agree with you. Like how do control decks best? Because if you can nullify them, right? If your opponent's whole plan is, oh, I'm going to get this battle flipped. And then you're just like, nope, sorry, I block it. It's there. That's like a mulligan, basically. Right. Well, and I also think just with battles being on the battlefield, there's this is one reason I'm so high on battles. And I'm curious to see if this gut checks with you as well. You know how in black we've seen like vampire spawn overperform, like where it's drain two, gain two, Uh because you get ahead on life totals. And when you get ahead on life totals, it's so hard for your opponent to race or like to try to pressure you because of the the life total difference. Mm -hmm. I think that battles are going to have that same effect on the game. Like once you get a battle down on the battlefield, it's going to be very hard for your opponent to be aggressive because you you kind of force them into a defensive role Ooh. protecting that battle. Like just the act of casting a battle like can affect your opponent's role in the game. That's a really interesting point. I hadn't thought about that, but I that I I, I have nothing in the moment that makes me go ah ah ah, but you didn't think about this. Like that makes sense to me. All right, cool. Fear not, that is not the last time we're going to talk about battles. Let's check in with a few more of the archetypes. We chatted a bit. Blue-white knights. There's 15 knights in the format, all blue-white. Looks super supported with most of 
many of the top blue and white commons being knights themselves. If you're me, not if you're Ethan. That's right. I was like, as I was reading that, I was like, <laughs> it feels like a lie, but we'll get to that in a bit. Next up is blue, red, convoke. There's 17 cards with convoke, 13 in blue or red. This okay. looks pretty unsupported and clunky compared to the rest of the format mechanics to me. And my my plan is to steer clear initially of blue, red, convoke. It's just such a hard mechanic to nail. Either it's not so good or it's busted. Right. It's, it's very hard to hit it in the sweet spot. And it looks like it's on the not so good side of things to me. Right. I mean, Stoke the Flames is one of the better Convoke cards, but a lot of them are on the clunkier side. I feel like a lot of them are just slightly overcosted. Um, so yeah, I'm not. Well, but the cra- good convoke cards are just good cards that everybody can play, right? That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I totally agree. Red Black Sacrifice is here, and I'm super pumped for it. There are a, a handful of repeatable sacrifice outlets. There's, I think, two at common, and then two at uncommon. One of them being the the signpost uncommon creature for Red Black. I'm actually not thrilled about the commons, but I, I do like the uncommons quite a bit. I think this archetype will likely just be good red and black cards with the sacrifice being a sub theme. I don't think it's going to be like really all in on sacrifice because one of the things that's tough is that you really really don't want to be removing like investing in affecting the board and then removing those pieces from the board later on, you know? Like I think that's really tough in the world of battles. What's interesting too in Wizards of the Coast archetype description, they say it's a controlling deck. That's not usually how it operates, is it? No, I don't think so. But it makes sense if it's sort of like a a resource attrition war that you're just like gaining this incremental value over time, because that's what the signpost uncommon does. It doesn't like, you know, put a plus plus one counter on something. It draws you a card. Right. So that makes sense that if they think it's a control deck. One thing I will shout out is a lot of the sacrifice things are creature or artifact. This is, I think, where treasures are going to come into play the most. There's just a sprinkling of treasure tokens around. And I think the more you're dipping into the sacrifice stuff, the sacrifice outlets, the more interested in treasure tokens you're going to be. All right, that takes us on to sweepers, which can be a pretty huge part of the format. We saw that in the last format with White Suns, Twilight, and Wandering Emperor. Even though they were rares, just super present, and you always had to be thinking about them. Yeah, so we talked about Glistening Deluge. That's the mini sweeper that gives minus one, minus one to everything, uh, minus two, minus two additionally to green and white creatures. First up here, we've got Into the Fire, which is two and a red for a sorcery. It can deal two damage to each creature, Planeswalker, in battle, or let you change some cards out from your hand. But be on the lookout for two to each creature in red. There's a rare battle, Invasion of Karsis, two red red for a four defense battle. When it enters the battlefield, it deals three damage to each creature and each planeswalker. So that's three mini sweepers dealing with X1s, X2s, and X3s, respectively. We've also got Sunfall at rare, three white white for a sorcery, exile all creatures, incubate X, where X is the number of creatures exiled this way. This card is broken. Yeah, these kinds of sweepers, if you've been playing in the Shadows Remastered uh, flashbacks, whatever we want to call them, um, there's that mythic sweeper that like if you have Delirium makes a 4-4 angel. These wraths, these ways that sweep the board that then leave you with creatures, hello, White Sun's Twilight, those are really incredible. The ones that let you affect the board first. And the last one here is Invasion of Fiora, four black black for a four defense battle. When it enters the battlefield, choose one or both. Destroy all legendary creatures, destroy all non-legendary creatures. All right, that takes us on to our next section, which is fixing. There's a fair amount of fixing, but the, the best fixing being concentrated in green, I think, as it should be. But we've got some colorless stuff. 
first up, there's no evolving wilds type land. I think that's noteworthy. Mm-hmm. And then you are going to have the ETB gain land cycle of tapped duels that when the ETB gain a life, those are going to replace a basic land 50% of the time in the pack. So those are going to be floating around. There's also going to be treasure tokens floating around, as you mentioned earlier. Skittering Surveyor back. I don't know how good it's going to be. Three mana, one, two. And when ETBs, you get to search up a basic land of any type. Yeah. So I tweeted about this, that it was like sort of funny to see Skittering Surveyor which we thought was the best common in Dominaria when it was originally printed against all of these broken commons in this format. And people were like, oh yeah, great. Thanks for like underrating it again. More for me. And I just want to be clear, like the reason Skittering Surveyor, and I love Skittering Surveyor, the reason this card was the best common in Dominaria was because all the power in that format was concentrated at uncommon. And you needed to be able to splash. Plus, there was the historic mechanic that cared about artifacts entering the battlefield for you. Um, So there was a a twofer there. This format, there's not only power at rare and uncommon. There's plenty of power at common, which I think significantly diminishes. And I'm not saying Surveyor's bad or anything, but there's no way Skittering Surveyor is going to be the best common. Ooh, coming down hot. No chance. The other thing I think we should shout out as far as colorless fixtures are the basic land cyclers. If you've not played with those yet, um, they're a cycle of expensive commons that have basic land cycling. And so you can, when you cycle them, search up, for example, if a card has mountain cycling, you discard it and then search up a mountain. Those are pretty powerful if you've not played with them before. And I think a pretty significant difference, at least in my mind, the red and the white one are single pipped themselves. And the blue, black, and green one are double pipped, meaning you get a couple of the... Now, I don't think you really want to do this with the red one, but one of the nice things about the red one is let's say you have some powerful single pipped red bomb and you're splashing it off of a mountain and the basic land cycler. Well, if you find that mountain before you find the land cycler, you can just cast that. Same with the white one, or you have a couple of the white ones, you can just use them to splash themselves. The blue, black, and the green ones cannot do that. Yes, for sure. We already chatted about incidental life gain. The other thing that we like to take a look at is mana sinks in a format. There are a ton built into just the mechanics of the format. Like just thinking about the mechanics that exist in the format, we've got a ton of transform cards. So those are creatures on the front side that then have this sort of expensive four, five, six mana activation that lets you flip them later in the game for a powerful effect. There's the incubate tokens running around that are just sitting there waiting for you to dump two mana into them to turn them into creatures. There's a handful of equipment running around. So those three things, I think, are big mana sync players in the format. Well, and the Phyrexian transform cards especially, it just feels like you are never running out of things to do with your mana. That's what I think as well. And then there's like a handful of sacrifice outlets that have activations. We've got, you know, an activation cost for a looter, for a token maker, for a creature pump, for a tapper, the sort of usual spread. But I think those three initial categories we talked about, those are going to be your main ways to use mana. Right. We started looking at this to see if they were scarce, right? Because they were scarce in Ixalan when we were very first, Mm -hmm. like starting to try to figure out formats. They are not scarce here. You're going to be able to find places to put your mana. Well, then another, I mean, if there is a scarcity of two drops, if there is this sort of artificial buffering of your life total with battles, if there's a lot of mana sinks, we're looking at a slower format, right? That is not my take. Well, I'm saying, I said if, but you do not agree that if those three things are true, we're looking at a slower format? If those three things are true, yeah. My, I don't think they are, but if, if, yes, I agree. If, then, yes. Okay, thank you. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick ad break, and then we will be back with everyone's favorite part, where Ethan and I argue about our card gradation differences. Food. It's the mana of life, wouldn't you say? I guess. 
And much like lands, food is the very resource which the deck that is our body requires to function. (laughs) I think you're reaching. My point is, Ben, that nutrition is not always synonymous with convenience. Until now. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you fuel up fast with nutritious, ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. Time is something I've had to take a bit of a mulligan on recently. Switching to full-time daycare and part-time podcaster hasn't left much room in my schedule to cook. And while the school day ends for kids at three and their nights and weekends with extra rehearsals, teaching lessons, performances, it's nice to have an option like Factor with fresh, never frozen meals ready in just two minutes. So all you have to do is heat and enjoy. Factor offers a wide range of weekly options. Sometimes Jen and I aren't always in the mood for the same thing for dinner. So it was nice to be able to grab two separate meals out of the fridge and know they would both be great. Head to factormeals.com slash LOL50 and use code LOL50 to get 50% off your first box. That's code LOL50 at factormeals.com slash LOL50 to get 50% off your first box. All right, Ben, you got your gloves on, you you stretched, you ready to, to get in the rink? I'm limber, I'm loose, I'm ready to hit you with a, let me ask you this. <laughs> oh no! What's the over-under on how many, let me ask you this, you're going to give me? I think, the, I think the line is 2.5. I like that line, yeah. Okay. I can think <laughs> of a couple right off the top of my head. <laughs> okay, well, before we get into that, we're going to talk about the grading scale. We use um, the gold standard, the limited resources A through F scale with a couple variations on a theme at the end. First up, we have A's. These are the bombs, the game winners. They're good in many situations, especially when behind. They're the best cards in the set. Bomb rares and hyper-efficient spells. I don't think there were any of these in Phyrexia all be one. Just a, a few like Nyssa, Maglaz, the Eternal Wanderer, White Sun's Twilight, etc., etc. Bees are strong cards that pull you into color, make you want to play that color. Reasons to be in a particular color or combination of colors. The best commons and good uncommons. Cards like Hex Gold Slash, Armored Scrap Gorger, Hex Gold Hoverwings, or Contagious Vorak. Your C's are your solid playables, the meat and potatoes of a limited deck, role player creatures, normal removal spells, Duelist of Deep Faith, Stinging Hive Master, Malkator's Watcher, and Mesmerizing Dose. Your D's, your sometimes playable below average 22nd, 23rd type cards. Copper Longlegs, Orthodoxy Enforcer, Quicksilver Fisher, and my last chance to dunk on Hazardous Blast. Let's go. <laughs> Please send all of your hate mail to ben at lordsoflimited.com. <laughs> uh, your Fs are unplayables, cards you should never put in your deck, weird rares like Ickermoon Gauntlet, Minor Misstep, Mirren Safehouse, and Encroaching Mycosynth. Man, I don't think I could tell you what three of those four cards did. <laughs> That was a 17 lands. What <laughs> cards have the worst data about Oof. them? Deep dive. Yeah. Um, and so then within those grades, we'll be giving plus or minuses as well. And then we also have a few different gradations as well. First up is sideboard cards. These are cards that don't make the main deck, but when you board them in, can be quite good. There's Actually, there are some, folks may not know this, but there are some times where you play a best of three match against someone, so you see their deck multiple times. So these are cards like Vanish into Eternity, Duress, or Carnivorous Canopy. Build around cards, which are cards that don't do much on their own, but when you build around them, can be good to great. Cards like Eye of Malkator, Churning Reservoir, or All Will Be One. And then Synergy cards. So a difference here between Synergy and Build Around. Cards that are not good enough to build around, but provide good Synergy if they're in the right deck. Like Against All Odds, Unctus's Retrofitter, Urabrask's Anointer, and Oxida Finisher. And I I really got to say, because I wanted to do this a few times, I want to make a pitch to add a new category here. Okay. 
I want diminishing returns to be a category. Okay. I'm into it. Because I really feel like there are cards that I graded. I was like, well, the first copy is a C, but that doesn't mean they're all Cs or whatever, you know, like cards that get worse the more that you have. So I think next time we're adding diminishing returns. I'm here for it. Let's go. Okay. So if you're following along at home with our spreadsheet, you're going to see normally we just highlight the cards in yellow (laughs) that we're going to argue about. We have actually two two different highlight colors here. So if you're following along at home, yellow means we're going to talk about it now. Green means that it's in one of our top commons list, and we're going to talk about it then. Okay, Ben, right. you ready? Let's go. All right, Sunder the Gateway is up first. This is the aforementioned one in a white sorcery, destroy target non-token artifact or enchantment and opponent controls, and then incubate two. And you also have incubate two, then transform an incubator token you control. I gave this a D plus. You gave this a C. Talk to me. Yeah, I think Phyrexian decks, so like decks that are in the Abzan, white, green, or white, black, are going to be pretty interested in this. It's a two mana, two, two that comes into play with two plus and plus one counters. So it's going to trigger all your stuff there. So it's like a synergistic two drop. Plus it's got the upside of if your opponent in best of one, where you don't get a chance to sideboard Mm. randomly has some busted artifact or enchantment, you get to kill that. And then again, two for one, then with an incubate two, that's going to trigger all your plus one plus one counter stuff. I think this card is pretty darn good. All right, I'm going to I'm going to bump up to Synergy C. I wasn't thinking about it just as hey, in the Abzan colors, like this being a just two cuz I was like, well, the fail case is like a 2 mana 2/2. Two, two. That's pretty that's a D, right? That's replaceable at best. But the fact that it has relevant types and so maybe gets bumped by some of your enchantments, I'll come up with you. All right. Next up is Golden Scale Aeronaut. This is 4 and a white for a 2/3 dwarf pilot with backup <laughs> 1 and it has flying. You gave this a C minus. I gave this a D. Yeah, so I don't love this card. Obviously, I gave it a C minus. Like five mana for either of these isn't great, right? Five mana for a three, four flyer, a little overcosted. Five mana for a two, three flyer that dumps a counter on something and gives it flying until end of turn. I mean, that that variability is nice. Like you, you potentially get to just like take out a battle in one shot with the surprise evasion. Um, you get in for a nice chunk of damage. But then I guess the body it leaves behind isn't great. I just think it's better than filler. But am I overrating it in terms of its cost? I just think five drops don't matter. Five drop commons, I think, don't matter. You don't want to spend your five drop slot on a common power level card. You want it to be a battle. You want it to be a rare. I don't know. I could see coming up to D plus, but I, I don't think this card is going to be a big player in the format. Okay, I think that's fair. Yeah, C C minus D plus sounds fine. All right, that takes us on to blue. Our first card here is Assimilate Essence. What's going on there? One in a blue for an instant counter target creature or battle spell unless its controller pays four. If they do, you incubate two. I gave this a D plus. You gave this a C. Ben, I'm not getting got. (laughs) That's what I was saying. I finally decided I didn't put it in my top comments. That's what I thought too when I read this card. I'm not getting suckered in. But not only were these effects not top commons, they weren't playable. (laughs) Like Scatter Ray in Bro was bad with a B. I don't like to use the B word. Scatter Ray was bad. I don't even remember. What was the counter in Phyrexia All Be One? I, I don't, don't, I don't even I don't remember, remember. Because I know. it was unplayable. Like <laughs> so I'm, I'm taking a stand here. D plus, huh? But yeah. but there's incubate tokens. Like blue really does look like it wants to play at instant speed. So you're telling me you're excited that on turn seven, your opponent plays a three drop, you play assimilate essence, and they go pay for it, and you're like, ah, but I no, did no, 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 get no, a two. No, 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 not that. The fact that as a blue player, you're going to have incubate tokens, and then you can pass the turn with two mana up, 
threaten to flip your your transform incubate token so that your opponent can't attack into you or because of the threat of activation they don't attack and then they play a spell and then you can cast assimilate essence i don't know i i think maybe it'll be playable i think in the world of board presence people no i just say no i just say no to these counter spells all right i'm with you i'll i'll come down i think (laughs) you're probably right okay uh, next up is Eyes of Gitaxius. This is two and a blue for a sorcery. It says incubate three and draw a card. I gave this a D plus. You gave this a synergy C plus. I'm nervous, Ben. I'm, I'm I, nervous about not affecting the board. I am too. I think this is a hard card to evaluate, right? And a lot of this card's power level is going to depend on the speed of the format and how critical it is to have a three drop on the board on turn three, you know, because if you can get away with casting this and then on turn four, flipping it and playing another two drop, then it's powerful, right? I mean, you're paying five mana in installments for a three, three draw card. I think that is a deal worth doing. A three, three is significantly bigger than a two, two, which is what we usually see with the blue, you know, cantripping type creature. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I I think this card has potential. I think it's either going to be pretty good or not very desirable. I don't think it's going to be mediocre. And it's it's hard to say without having played games. The the thing that I, I'm thinking about is like, I kind of have Corticall's voice in my ear right now a little bit, which is the like, sometimes you just need to block. And the thing that makes me nervous about these incubate cards or the spells that make incubate tokens um, is I want something that makes up for the fact that I am not getting to affect the board immediately. And draw a card is sort of like more of the same, right? It's like, but the value. And I'm like, no, 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 I don't care about that. I care about being dead. And so that's why I like the enchantment that makes the 5-5 five, five that gains you five life or the white one that like gives stuff vigilance because then you're going to be able to um, you know, play offense and defense or whatever. This just makes me nervous. I agree that it makes you nervous. It's almost <laughs> the, way, the way I was thinking about battles how do you feel about framing this as kind of like a battle card where if you achieve the objective of being stable enough to have the time to cast this it's a good card yes i agree yeah it's just a question of whether or not you're going to be capable of doing that in the format well and are you going to be hard pressed for cards like this and i think in modern limited design no like i don't think i need to take the risk of what a low floor this card is for the potential high ceiling yeah i'd buy that i That's think my I'm, I, you're probably starting out at the right place i just think it's a hard card to evaluate i agree and i'm glad we talked about it moving on to the uncommons we have one to take a look at here which is oracle of tragedy one on a blue for a one three human wizard when it enters the battlefield or dies choose one you can draw a card then discard a card or you can shuffle up to four target cards with mana value three or greater from your graveyard into your library. Ben, I got two words for you. I gave this a C plus. You gave this a C minus. I have two words. Scrap, Scrap work, work, work mud. Yeah, yes. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's, this, that's exactly what this is. This is scrapwork mud that blocks. Yeah, but it does. It's, oh. One three is so much worse than a two one. I'll come up. You're right. It's better it's, than it's better it's, than a C minus. <laughs> I love how I said two words and you knew exactly what they were. That's good content right there. Good content. All right. Next, we're moving on to black. We've got Dreg Recycler. This is one in a black for a two two and it taps to sacrifice an artifact or creature. Each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. You give us a D plus. I gave this a C. I, again, I'm I'm nervous. 
I I'm, like this card. I think this has ink. Mo- this is closer to Lampad of Death's Vigil from Theros, which is a one three that lets you pay one to sacrifice a thing to uh, drain and gain ones for the opponent. Then it is a bad card. And it, it's definitely not that right, because you can't just get your opponent down to five and then kill them all in one turn. But I think just being a free sacrifice outlet is going to be pretty annoying. This is going to be closer to something like Vampire Spawn, where it's drain two, gain two for a two drop than it is a bad card or a bad two no. drop. I think it's, it's going to be a black, red, gold card. But in the black, red deck, I think it's going to be pretty important. Well, then you got to give it a Synergy C, first of all. And second of all, like, what are you happy to sacrifice? And how many times are you happy to sacrifice for this small of an effect? Well, I mean, certainly if you have the act of treason, you're happy to steal your opponent's thing certainly. and then sacrifice it. That's important as a free sacrifice outlet. And then you know, like treasure or your opponent spends a removal. But it's just going to be annoying. Your opponent's going to go to remove your thing and they're going to target it with a battle or whatever. And you sacrifice it in response like that adds up over time, giving you life. I, I could go like synergy C minus. I just feel like even if we're thinking about this in the context of black, red, gold card, I want my sacrifice outlets to be better than this in that deck. Like this can't be it, but this is what you get at common. You get this in the you get, you get this in the red one. That's yeah. And I'm, I'm pay saying one in a red. You yeah, think that you, one's better than this? No, I don't think either of them are that good. I think this one is better <laughs> than that. I'm just saying, like, yeah, but so then this is a deck or a a variation of that deck that doesn't exist at common. That's fine. You need uncommons for this deck to work. Like, uh, is, am I allowed to say that? Yeah, you are. I'm. Okay. I, I will change my grade to a synergy seat, but I think this is going to be a card you're interested in in black red. Okay. Next up, we've got Consuming Etherborn. This is three to black for a 2-2 with backup one, and it has lifelink. You gave this a D plus. I gave this a C. I have a confession for you. It took all of my self-control to oh not my. put this card in my top commons because I know it's not very good, but I love this card. Yeah. So we, we think I think a general takeaway, so we, we don't have the same argument over and over again, is that I rated backup cards lower than you. Yes, I am higher on backup than you for sure. This is not the card with which I think you want to like take your backup stand on though, is it? I agree. Yes, this, <laughs> this is not the one. Okay. But you know I'm a sucker for a good lifelink card and Hill Giant with lifelink is pretty appealing. Now, that being said, I don't think your life total in this yeah. format is going to be the thing you're fighting over. The thing you're fighting over is the objectives of winning the battles, which this does not really help you do as this is one of the backup cards where you're not really excited about either half. Correct. Right. That was what I was thinking. me because I like it. (laughs) Oh, three life. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to stick with D plus on the Aetherborn here. I just don't like I I think what you said about that flying five drop that I kind of liked. I think I'm going to say the same thing about this, which is that like I just think largely this will be interchangeable, not really matter. You won't miss it. And that's that's a D card to me. I agree. I'll, I'll come down to C minus just because I love this card, but I think you're right. Uh, looking at the uncommons, we have a transform card, Nazumi Freewheeler, three and a black for a three, three with menace. When it enters the battlefield, each player mills three cards, and then you can pay five and a white Phyrexian mana to transform it at sorcery speed. And it transforms into hideous flesh wheeler, which is a four, five with menace. And when it transforms into hideous flesh wheeler, you put target permanent card with mana value two or less from a graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. I gave this a B minus. You gave this a C. Um, I like just about every piece of this card. Like 
Four mana for three power menace is a little bit more than I'd like to pay. Obviously, I'd like to be like a three mana, three, two with menace, but three power menace isn't bad. Um, the mill three um, could be nice. Um, we know that some black decks are going to care about that. And then this flips. And I, I do like, I've been trying to track a lot of the transform cards, thinking about them, l- largely not thinking about the Phyrexian mana as a color requirement at all. But I also like that when it can go one, two punch, right? That when they curve into themselves, like this can, so you do four mana, three, three, next turn, you pay five mana to transform this, flips into a four, five. And at the very least, you're going to get a land, right? Permanent card with mana value two or less, you're going to get a land. And if not that, then you could maybe get a creature. I don't know. I I just like this card. Who's got the time? Who's so got the much time? Four mana for three, three menace, five mana to flip it the following turn. The game's going to be decided by that point, baby. You really think this is going to be a fast format? I think it's going to be pretty brisk. Yes. I don't, I don't think brisk is what we're signing up for here with March of the Machine, personally. Um, Interesting. And menace, I think, pre- I mean, pressure's battles. What, what's pressure? Battles. What's pressure I, on a battle better than a four or five menace, baby? I agree. I am way too low as a C. I, I'll come up to C plus, but I don't yeah. think this quite pulls me into black. I think that's probably fair. C plus is probably correct. All right, moving on to red. First card up here, we've got Trailblazing Historian. <laughs> Speaking of brisk, <laughs> one in red for a one three with haste, and you could tap it to give another target creature haste until end of turn. You gave us a D plus. I gave this a C. Ever the optimist. Ever the optimist. Look, I think similar to what I was saying about battles, once you get a battle on the battlefield, your opponent is going to be incentivized to change how they play. And I think when Trailblazing Historian is on the battlefield, your opponent is going to be incentivized to change how they play. I think a two drop that does this that blocks reasonably well early in the game while threatening to turn everything you cast into a haster that can take down a battle at any point is just going to make your opponent have to play the game of magic differently. I just like classically underrate these cards, so I'm willing to to throw that out there. Um, but I do think I was going to say that I feel like two mana is different than one mana, except in call time we had the two mana two two right that could tap to give. Was it just another creature or another dwarf? I think it might have just been another creature haste, right? I don't remember. Of course you don't. Sorry. Um, no, that's fine. <laughs> not helpful. Uh, not helpful. I think, I, I think two drop is, um, it's certainly not a knock against this style of effect. And I agree with all that you're saying. Um, I should probably come up to like C minus on this card. I just, I just always, I always underrate these cards. I don't know what to tell you. I'm shocked, shocked and appalled, honestly, at your grade for this next card. This is Onaki Javelinier, four and a red for a five, four ogre spirit with reach and it taps to deal two damage to target player or battle. I gave this a C, you gave this a D plus. This card is good. Like, I know you said five drop commons don't matter. I think this card matters. This plays offense and defense. That's all we want it to do. I, obviously, I'd like this better if this were a four or five. This reminds me slightly, and obviously comparing a card to a set that came out four years ago isn't great, but this <laughs> reminds me, remember the <clears throat> Scophos War Leader, the five mana four or five, you could sack an enchantment, I think, creature mm-hmm. or enchantment to give it menace until end of turn. Um, that card was a huge overperformer. I think this is going to be a big overperformer as well. I could see it. I, I like this card. I'll come up to C minus. It's not a fit five mana, but I, I agree. I do like that card. And I think t- like again, if this were a four or five, I'd be I'd feel a lot yes. more confident. Yes, yes, yes. That yes. this really did the thing. But I my guess is it was probably too good if it was a four or five. All right. Next up we've got green. First common up is Portent Tracker. This is one and a green for a one one Seder Scout. 
taps to untap target land, and you can tap it to choose target battle. If an opponent protects it, you remove a defense counter from it. Otherwise, you add a defense counter to it. Activate that only as a sorcery. You give us a C minus. I gave us a C plus. I like this card. I think ramping you to battles ahead mm-hmm. of schedule is going to be nice. And then you can slowly tick them down. Like the the issue with mana dorks is that they lose their relevance in the mm-hmm. late game. And I think the fact that this either helps you protect battles or, you know, lay siege to the ones that you gave your opponent is all upside. I think this card's pretty good. Yeah, I see all that you see with this card. The thing that I don't love about it is it really doesn't protect battles like in the way that creatures that are larger can trade even a two mana two two can trade and protect two three defense counters from a battle this cannot do that um and i just like it's a little small it's a one one and i i like the 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 whatever the dirtler in me wants to grade a mana dork higher but i'm trying to to push back a little bit and i don't know if the second line of text makes up for it or not. So I'm a little skeptical. I hope it is a C plus. So one of the curves I'm imagining, and again, this is all like kind of nonsense because you don't always curve out and limited, but I think a curve of portent tracker into the four, four with like the three, three with backup that can't be blocked by creatures power mm-hmm. two or less. Like imagine curving this into that, into a battle. Like your opponent is just a million miles behind at that point. I think there are a lot of really good fours in the format Mm -hmm. to ramp into. And your point about four being a choking spot on the curve Mm -hmm. really resonated with me earlier. And it's making me rethink some of my top common choices, (laughs) (laughs) which is kind of a bummer. But it also makes me like Port and Tracker even a little bit more. Not enough to go crazy on the grade or whatever, but I I like this card. Yeah, all right. I'll come up to C at least. and, And in my heart, it's a C plus. Next up is Serpent Blade Assailant. Two and a green for a 2-1 Elf Warrior with backup one and death touch. I gave this a D plus. You gave this a C. I I do think that this is basically filler. Like three mana, three, two death touch is kind of whatever. Yes, pumping the other. Like, I think this one, you want to dump the counter somewhere else, like almost always, right? For sure. Yes. But I think you're turning your two drop into a three, three death touch for a turn to crack in on a battle is pretty big game. Well, and that's, but that's if this comes down on like turn six. Yeah, but this also leaves behind a relevant blocker. This is something that's going to like pseudo play offense and defense. Well, right. It's going to definitely enable, it's going to definitely enable an attack for you while also being really annoying to attack back into. Here's what I, I feel. Let me ask you this, but this isn't really a, let me ask you this, but I got to say you are woefully behind on your, let me ask you this, or you're saving them for the top threes. I don't know. Um, I haven't felt the need yet. (laughs) It's got to be natural. I can't force it. One of the things that I think I want to like caution people to not misplay with backup or whatever is like, you don't want to think that I can't trade off when you should trade off because I won't have a place to put the counter. And I, I feel like that's sort of like you're like, but you put it on your tutu. Sometimes you don't have that and you've traded off. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the big worry with backup, right? I think backup is very vulnerable to either being forced to trade early or interact like instant speed interaction. Right. What is it? God forbid they have mana open. Yes. And you're like, am I then really going like to dump this counter? Yes. I will concede okay. that backup is pretty sketchy in that instance. Downside about backup yet. So I just wanted to throw that out there. I, I, I agree. Can see, I could come up to C minus. Yeah, I'll meet you at C minus. Okay. Oh, I'm so excited to talk to you about this next card because I have no idea. <laughs> this is <laughs> this is Converter Beast. 
three and a green for an O one Phyrexian beast. Three and a green for an O one. That's right, four mana for an O one. When it enters the battlefield, incubate five. I gave this a C. You gave this a D plus. It's chimney rabble, baby. It, that is exactly what I was gonna say. <laughs> I know. I think I'm too low. I think you're right. This does just like it's four mana. Here's a chump blocker, and then next turn you have a five five attacker. Yeah, I think this card's kind of crazy, right? I think, I think it's pretty good. Yeah, I think, I think I'm too good. low. Okay. The question is, is it better than a C? Right. That's like, it could be like 17 land says this is the best common. I don't think we're quite there, but I, I think this will be a sleeper because this card looks clunky as all get out, but I think it's, I think it might just be great. Well, so the question is, is it better than the green common that's the 3-3 three, three with backup one that can't be blocked yeah. by that? Like, it's tough to imagine it being better than Chomping Kabu. Well, I certainly think in some Abzan decks, it might be. But you also get the plus one plus one counter with Chomping Kabu with the backup. No, but I'm, what I'm saying is with the Incubate, you might care about, well, you've got some of the enchantments that give it uh, whatever, not only plus one plus one, but you have something that gives it vigilance or gives it reach or, you know, that sort of thing. Yes, I I just think there's so much power packed in in the four mana value slot. In this I know. Wait, right, right. Not only not even considering the battles. Right? Not We're even considering the about- battles. Yes, there's a lot of commons that look very strong at four mana. Yeah, four mana is definitely a choke point. Um, I'm gonna stay at C. I like. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it were better. I think I would be surprised if it were worse. Yes, I, I agree. I'm coming up to C. Okay, sweet. All right, what? next up, we've got Crystal Carapace. Speaking of a four mana choke point, three <laughs> and a green for an aura enchant creature. Enchanted creature gets plus three, plus three, and has ward two. And this has cycling two. You gave us a D minus. I gave us a C minus. This is not a good card. I'm just imagining, you know, slapping this on something and crushing down a battle. But this card's no. bad. Uh, it's you, a D. This, this is like an F, basically. I mean, you, just, you don't have time for this. It's got cycling, though. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, but yes, it has it cycling. The upside of I can discard. Like, yeah, I can discard, discard my bad card when it's bad. It could be anything. It could even be a crystal carapace. <laughs> uh, we have one gold card we want to talk about here. We largely graded these. You know, a lot of these, these gold cards, whether they were the signpost permanents or the battles, like largely gave them the same grades. How did I give this a lower grade than you? This is Invasion of Ergamon, red green for a five defense battle. When it enters the battlefield, you make a treasure token, then you may discard a card if you do draw a card. And then if it transforms, if you get those five counters off, it's a 3-4 with trample, that when it enters the battlefield, you may discard a card. If you do, search your library for a land or battle card, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle. And I should point this out because we haven't talked about this yet, and I can just see the comments rolling in. When the battles are defeated, you cast the creatures, so they can be interacted with on the stack, when they are coming in after being defeated. So just pointing that out. So they exile and then you cast them. They could be countered. Then they enter the battlefield. Um, I gave this just a C. You gave this a B? I also, confession time, had this at, I think, C or C plus. Uh-huh. And then after doing my practice draft with red-green attack battles, uh-huh. I kind of saw what this card does or enables you to do. So Interesting. I think, I think it's almost kind of a benefit that it has five defense because there's some of your red green cards that get pumped up from attacking battles. So you Mm. almost necessarily aren't super excited to kill it in the first swing. I think that could be either way. Like I think you're not being punished for it having a high defense. And then I think it creating a treasure token is also super real 
because the red green deck, I think, really does want to splash all of the battles. So you get the treasure token, you kill this, you get your creature, you go find another battle, like whatever your best battle is that you splashed, and then you cast it. I think this is exactly like the battle that red green wants. And I, I think it's going to be really good in that deck. That's a really sweet take. I love to see it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay skeptical at sea, but uh, but I like it. Wow. Staying skeptical. Okay. What am I? What, you were saying I did a practice draft and I'm supposed to go, okay. You're supposed to, you're <laughs> supposed to trust your podcast co-host. I, said, I feel, I feel unheard and unseen and unvalidated <laughs> and I am not liking it. Well, if you feel that way now, just wait till we get to your top three comments. <laughs> oh, uh, which is where we're at. We're done. We've got plenty to still argue about, but those are going to be largely in the context of our top comments. So Ben, why don't you tee us off? What are your top three white comments? In the number one slot, I have got Bola Slinger. Three and a white, two, two with backup one. Whenever this creature attacks, tap target artifact or creature an opponent controls. That four drop slot. I have so many four drops <laughs> in my top comments. Yes, you do. So, uh, spoiler, our white comments, I think, are almost totally different here. Um, but I like this card quite a bit. I think everything we've talked about with pressuring battles, this is a really good backup card in that it's going to enable an attack for you, remove a blocker. Like this basically says when you cast this, you will be able to kill a battle most of the time, I think. And then it also leaves back a creature that's a great tapper. Like this as a 2-2 is a good card. So I, I really like Bola Slinger. I, yeah, the the biggest knock I have against this is 4-drop. So this four is drop. why it did not make my uh, my top comments. What else you got? In the number two slot, I've got Angelic Intervention, one in a white instant. Target creature or planeswalker you control gains protection from colorless or from the color of your choice until end of turn. If it's a creature, put a plus one, plus one counter on it. Yeah, I like that card a lot. That is in my top three as well. And then in the number three slot, I've got Sigiled Sentinel, two in a white for a two-two with backup one, and it's got Vigilance. I also really like that card. Didn't make my top three, but I really like that. I think, I mean... I'm going to say, if, if I have to choose your three, I definitely put that one ahead of Bola Slinger. There's just really? no way you're taking Bola Slinger over that card. Just for curve. Just for curve? You can't do it. Bola Slinger's so good, though. In my number one slot, I don't love this as a pick, but I, I just feel like I need some lower stuff on the curve. So I have Alabaster Host Sanctifier here in my number one. One on a white for a 2-2 Phyrexian Cleric with Lifelink. Again, one of the only... Creatures that actually has lifelink. A great place to dump your backup counters, right? Make this a 3-3 lifelink or whatever with vigilance for a turn or to tap a thing for a turn. Um, I think this is going to be a really important like meat and potatoes card for a lot of white decks. I agree. I like this card. I think it gets a bit of a knock for not being a knight. Sure. There, there are other other white two drops that are. There's one that's the three one, for example, that gets first strike when you cast uh-huh. a knight. And I think white really looks like it wants to attack. And I agree. This is going to be good. It's tough for me to see taking it over the knights. But I guess a lot of this is going to be whether I'm right or wrong about the two drops being interchangeable, right? If this is Correct. Ab- above replacement level compared to the other white two drops, it's definitely going to be a top white common. And then in my number two slot, I have Alabaster Host Intercessor. Imperial Oath, baby. It's this five and a white for a three, four. When it enters the battlefield, exile target creature and opponent controls until Alabaster Host Intercessor leaves the battlefield. And it has plane cycling for two. Yes, this card is objectively extremely powerful, right? Yeah. So this is, and again, our difference in top white commons here is coming down to 
how long we expect the games to last, I think, or or what we expect the games to look like, right? Mm -hmm. I'm expecting a flurry to try to win the first battle. And I think Mm -hmm. once you win the first battle, it's going to be pretty easy to win the game. So I think by the time Alabaster Host Intercessor comes down, I'm hoping the game is going to be largely decided. But if the format is a little grindier, this card is going to be incredible. I feel like the format is going to be grindier. I agree that there's a snowball effect that happens with battles. I just, I mean, from a, I think we both agree that the format is going to revolve around battles. It's a new card type. We haven't seen a new card type in a long time. I think there's just no way that Watsy made a limited format where there's a new card type like this that's going to be over in seven turns. I think they, <laughs> I think they just like want you to play with the battles a lot. That's my take. And I could also see that Alabaster Host Intercessor, it, it's sort of like a misnomer to put it in the top white commons, much like Imperial Oath was just a top common because you could just splash it. Like you get two of these, they splash themselves. Like, I think this could just be a card that everybody snaps up because it splashes itself. And if it is that kind of a format, I agree that Alabaster Host Intercessor will be great if that is the case. And then in the number three slot, I have the same trick, Angelic Intervention. I think worth noting that neither of us put the Pacifism variant, the the aura removal spell in our top three commons. And I like that card. I don't dislike that card. Um, but I just think White's commons are, <laughs> we said this last week, they're juiced. They're juiced. And I white to me looks like I think that's the other reason that I didn't put the the intercessor in my top white commons. White looks like it wants to be aggressive to me. I agree. All right. Moving on to top white uncommons in the number one slot. I've got invasion of Bellinon, two and a white for a battle. It's got five defense. And when it ETBs, you create a two two white and blue knight creature token with vigilance. And it flips into Bellinon war anthem, which gives creatures you control plus one plus one. In the number two slot, I've got Invasion of Dominaria. Two and a white. What? <laughs> I just said you were going to say be saying the word invasion a lot. I am going to be saying the word invasion a lot. I think they're great. Two and a white for a five defense battle. And when it ETBs, you gain four life and draw a card. That's it? That's all you do? Uh, if you defeat it, you transform <laughs> it into a 4-4 Flying Vigilance Angel. Hey, what's up, Sarah Angel? Yeah, I didn't put I didn't put either of those in my top white on commons. I have Norn's Inquisitor as my number one. This is one and a white for a 1-1. One, one. When it enters the battlefield, you incubate two, and whenever a permanent you control transforms into a Phyrexian, put a plus one plus one counter on it. I think that card is amazing. And then I also have Seal from Existence, one white white for an enchantment with Ward 3. When it enters the battlefield, you exile target non-land permanent and opponent controls until Seal from Existence leaves the battlefield. Yeah, I probably should have Norn's Inquisitor in mind over Invasion of Dominaria. I was just trying to really hammer home. Yeah. The, the invasions are great. This is this is the spot for some hot takes. It's not, it doesn't have to be exactly what you think. It's a spot for you to, to take a stand, you know? Yeah. Speaking uh, of taking a stand, I've got a blue common to talk to you about. All right. Lay it on me. All right. So I think we were lined up here in terms of some cards, maybe different orders, but then I've got a hot take. So number one, I've got Preening Champion. This is two and a blue for a 2-2. Two, two. Bird, Knight with Flying. And when it enters the battlefield, you create a 1-1 one, one blue and red elemental creature token card is excellent i think one of the best commons in the format in the number two slot i have temporal cleansing this is three and a blue for a sorcery with convoke the owner of target non-land permanent puts it into their library second from the top or on the bottom and then in the number three slot i have cyba cryptomancer one and a blue for an oh one moonfolk ninja with flash backup one and hexproof 
you said that like it was a dramatically powerful card, and I just don't see it. Okay, so here here's what this card is. So I think you want to largely think about this card as a trick, right? Yes. So it's largely Starlit Mantle. It's a two-mana flash, put a counter on a thing. It has Hexproof until end of turn, like blanks a removal spell. Yes. But it is also a common two-mana creature that has Hexproof. You can just freely dump your backup counters here, put equipment on this thing, whatever. Like, Hexproof on a cheap common like this in a format where backup exists, I think should not be underrated. This isn't in the backup color wedge, though. Yeah, but okay, but you... But three of those colors will be paired with this 75% of the time. Yeah, but if you're white-blue, you should be focusing on knights, right? If you're... You're really a real paint-by-numbers guy over here. I'm a paint-by-numbers guy going into the format. I don't know. I, I hear what you're saying. This card just seems really... Like, I really like the flexibility of this card and... Just the heck, I mean, for, for a man who loves a warm and fuzzy feeling, there's nothing <laughs> warmer or fuzzier than Hexproof, my friend. Yes, I hear that. It's, and I agree that it's fairly versatile. Yeah. I just feel like none of the things it does versatilely are very powerful. How many times are you going to get wrecked by this card before you go, okay. Wow. Coming in hot. You're just, I just like, a day, how, how many times are you going to be like, Cyber Cryptomancer, no! <laughs> I can hear myself saying that. <laughs> if it's good, I think I will see that it's good in the first couple of days. I just don't see it right now. Okay, that's fair. All right, my, my, my hot takes will be back with a vengeance in a little bit. All right, so I have the same top two commons as you. I have Printing Champion. That's the 2-2 two, two that makes a 1-1 one, one at my number one slot. Same as you. I have Temporal Cleansing in the number three. I'm back with the four drops, baby. My number two <laughs> slots. <laughs> I've got Protocol Knight. Three and a blue for a 3-4. When it ETBs, tap target creature and opponent controls. Put a stun counter on that creature if you control a knight. Area Man thinks format will be fast. <laughs> also, Area Man's curve starts at four. Four, yeah. <laughs> Listen, I said when you were talking about the four drops <laughs> being clogged, I had a little bit of a sinking feeling in my stomach when we started recording earlier. Yeah. I didn't lie, but I do think Protocol Knight, like, think about how good Frost Links is. This is a 3-4 for four mana. I think this card is, yet despite it being four mana, this card is a beating if you do the thing. Yeah, I, I agree. I and just I, think like the, I think the fact that Preening Champion is also a knight makes Protocol Knight better. Because it's not like you're going to have to have this in a white-blue commons deck. There, there are some good knights floating around. I agree. I agree. But I just think, like, it's hard for me to imagine putting... I guess what you're saying is, like, they're just blue knights, but, it's like, that card is basically a blue-white gold card. Yes. I also really like the look of the blue-white deck. I, I can tell. It's, it's I just... can tell. <laughs> <laughs> this, man, this, man, this man has looked at creature type knight and has highlighted it. <laughs> Looking at the uncommons, I have Skyclave Aerialist in the number one spot. One in a blue for a 2-1 Merfolk Scout with flying, and you can transform it for four and a Phyrexian green at sorcery speed. Flips into Skyclave Invader. It's a 2-4 flyer. When it transforms into Skyclave Invader, look at the top card of your library. If it's a land card, you can put it onto the battlefield. If you don't put the card onto the battlefield, you put it into your hand. 
In the number two slot, I have our boy Xerox Strobe Knight Tuna Blue for a 2-2 Human Knight with Flying and Vigilance. And you can tap to make a 2-2 White and Blue Knight creature token with Vigilance. Activate only if you've cast two or more spells this turn. Yeah, I like both of those cards. I like Skyclave Aerialist much better than than Xerox. But despite loving Knights, that's weird that I don't like Xerox that much. It, it's very good. Um, my blue uncommons, we're going to continue reading Invasions here. My number one blue uncommon is Invasion of Vryn. How much does it cost? It costs four. Stop it. So this is three and a blue for a four defense battle. And when it ETBs, you draw three, then discard a card. And then after you defeat it, it flips into Overloaded Mage Ring, which is an artifact. And you pay one, tap it, sacrifice it to copy target spell you control. You like this better than Invasion of Kamigawa. That's interesting. I do, yeah. I just think it's really powerful. If you do the thing, you're getting a three for one. I mean, it's, yeah, sift with upside. I just don't know how, like, raw card draw hasn't been, in my mind, good for a long time. Yeah, format's fast, but four mana, draw three cards. <laughs> it's going to be great. There's yeah. a little bit of tension in my evaluations here. It's I okay. realize. You, it's fine. All right, next up, we've got Invasion of Kamigawa in the number two slot. This is three and a blue for a four defense battle. Another four drop. <laughs> Invasion of Kamigawa enters the battlefield. Tap target artifact or creature and opponent controls and put a stun counter on it. And then it flips into rooftop saboteurs, two, three for a flyer. And then whenever it deals combat damage to a player or battle, you draw a card. Okay, my things can't all be right. This is too many four drops. It's a lot of fours. A lot, a lot of, of invasions. But, you know, we're, we're, we're getting a picture here. Um, a brief respite from us being all over the place is black. We're all lined up. One, two, three. For the Black Commons. I thought this was going to be a hot take, Ben, but you're with me. This is No, it is a hot take. We just both made the same hot take. (laughs) Okay. So this is a hot take, but we're both coming in hot with the same number one, Icker Drinker. Single black for a 1-1 with Lightflink. You can pay a black to exile it from your graveyard at sorcery speed to incubate two. I I think this card is excellent. I also think this card is excellent, as it is my number one common. Yeah, I mean, just like one drops with a relevant type, so it's a good place to dump counters. It's a body. It's a I mean, it's rectangles, right? It's two things to sacrifice. Plays well with incubate. Like it just overlaps with so many things, and maybe it's more of a golden egg than it is a top black common. But one one of the things that was hard for me with black was that it has so many removal spells that I was like, and they all seem you know kind of good. One of them makes my top three. That I was like, but what is black like? What's a unique thing that black is doing? And Icker Drinker just seems so unique, so low on the curve, the lowest it could possibly be. I just love everything about this card. Yes. All right, the number two slot, we've got Deadly Derision. This should probably be the number one if you're not doing a hot take thing, but I don't think so. You don't think so, huh? Four mana. <laughs> four, four mana. There it is. It's back. <laughs> two black, black for an instant. Destroy target creature or planeswalker. Create a treasure token. Well, and I also thought my number three was going to be a hot take, but you've got the same one. This is Etched Host Doombringer. It's four and a black. It's a five drop at common, folks, but four and a black for a three, five. When it enters the battlefield, choose one. Target opponent loses two life and you gain two life. There's that drain two, gain two thing that we see on black cards. Or choose target battle. If an opponent protects it, remove three defense counters from it. Otherwise, put three defense counters on it. Nah, this card's a banger. I don't think this is a hot take at all. This card looks powerful to me. I agree. I mean, I, yeah, I like the look of it. Honestly, if anything, I think Deadly Derision gets bumped down <laughs> for me if uh, if we're talking about this order. Ooh, okay. Uh, what do you got going on in the uncommons? I have my first non-invasion uncommon. Ooh. 
in Blight Reaper Thalid in the number one slot. This is one and a black for a 2-2. You can pay three and a green Phyrexian mana to transform it only as a sorcery, and it flips into Blight Sower Thalid, which is a 3-3 that whenever it transforms into this or dies, you make a 1-1 green Phyrexian Sapperling creature token. I love that card. Little little bundle of value. In the number two slot, I've got Invasion of Ulgrotha, which is four and a black for a five defense battle. When ETBs, it deals three damage to any other target, and you gain three life. And then it flips into Grandmother Ravi Senger, which is a 3-3 flyer. And whenever a creature and opponent controls dies, you put a plus one, plus one counter on it and gain a life. Yeah, I have Invasion of Old Growth actually as my number one, my first battle, my number one black uncommon. And in the number two spot, I have Collective Nightmare. Two and a black for an instant with Convoke. Target creature gets minus three, minus three until end of turn. I'm a simple man with simple tastes and simple removal spells, you know? Your uncommons are much more disciplined than mine. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Do you want to hear my hot take for my red common? Please. Okay, so number one, no no surprise here. I've got Volcanic Spite. One in a red instant. Deal three damage to target creature, planeswalker, or battle. And you may put a card from your hand on the bottom of your library if you do draw a card. What the heck? Yeah, that card's great and is going to make my backup life very sad. Ral's Reinforcements is my number two little little forbidden friendship action here. One in a red for a sorcery. Create two 1-1 one, one blue and red elemental creature tokens. And my hot take, this was whipping around the table in my practice drafts. Marauding Dreadship. This is two in a red for a 4-1 vehicle with haste. When it enters the battlefield, incubate two. And it has a crew cost of two. Rectangles, Ben. I do like that card quite a bit. And I think... We're a bit all over the place in red and white. And I think some of that is just a nod to how deep red and white are at common. Yes. Yeah. Like I didn't look at your top three commons and go like, I think those cards are bad. I just had different thoughts. I just, I think Marauding Dreadship, at least from the, the two drafts I did, seems completely underrated to me. Like just playing this, crew it with your two drop and trade with something you know, just hit them for four later on in the turn or later on in the game. You surprise them with a hasty four power thing that can, it can pressure a battle, but then also it leaves behind a relevant body. Yes, I, I agree. The, the dread ship looks very strong to me. I could certainly see that being a top red common. Cool. I do like that card. All right. My top red commons, I've got volcanic spite in the number one slot as well. That's the deal three that lets you put a card back and draw a new card. My number two slot, I've got my hot take here. In Karsa's Depth Guard, this is two in a red for a 4-3 with Defender, and as long as its power is five or greater, it can attack as though it didn't have a Defender. Yeah, so this has like uh, Drowsing Pteranodon vibes a little yes. bit. Well, and I also think it's just going to be a huge blocker too, right? Like it's it's going to be something that sits around and protects your battles, and at any point is threatening to crack in for five damage, and your opponent is going to have to respect that, I think. I'm surprised you don't have, there's a four drop, right, that this can curve into. <laughs> yes, there is. That's uh, gives it first strike, right? Really, really dropped the ball there on the old four <laughs> mana value theme. Yeah. All right. My number three slot, I've got Hanger Scrounger. This is two and a red for a two one with backup one. And whenever this creature becomes tapped, you may discard a card. If you do draw a card. I love, love the filtering here. Really do. Uh, looking at my uncommons in the number one spot, I have Kenra Spellspear. One and a red for a two two with Trample and Prowess. Pay three and a blue Phyrexian to transform it into Kataxian Spellstalker. It's a three-three with Trample Ward Two, and I don't think I've ever seen this before. Prowess, Prowess. 
This card is broken, right? This card is ridiculous. It's insane. I had a chance. I betrayed you in my draft. I had a chance to take Garuda or this (gasps) and like draft a Garuda companion deck in my practice draft. And I just, I couldn't pass this card. It was so good. Never, never will I ever pass companions in this format. (laughs) It's so tough for me. Uh, In the number two spot, I have Stoke the Flames. It's two red, red for an instant deal four damage to any target. I've got the same number one as you, and in my number two slot, I've got Invasion of Mercadia. One in red for a four defense battle. When it ETBs, you can discard a card if you do draw two cards, and it flips into Chiron Flamerite, which yeah. is a 3-3, three, three, and you can pay two in a red, tap it, discard a card to create two 1-1 one, one blue and red elemental creature tokens, and then creatures you control get plus one, plus oh, and gain haste until end of turn. I just think these two mana battles are going to be incredible for like double spell turns on turn Mm -hmm. five or turn six or whatever, where you play the battle, kill it, get the value. I think it's just going to be a huge swing in games. I agree. I like that battle quite a bit. All right. What do you got going on in green? All right. Top commons in the number one slot. I'm somehow not super confident about this one. Uh, Overgrown pest. Two and a green, two, two. When ETBs look at the top five, you can reveal a land or a double-faced card from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Yeah, I have that in the number one slot. You don't like this card? I do. I just am a little worried about it as a three mana two, two. Yeah, it's not Vorak as a three, three that finds you a land, but it's a two, two that can find you a land or a spell. Yeah, it's very good. All right, number two slot, I've got Cosmic Hunger. One in a green for an instant. Target creature you control deals damage equal to its power to another target creature, Planeswalker, or Battle. Yeah, that's my number two as well. Yeah, I think just the fact that that can go towards battles, mm-hmm. pretty big game. Agree. You're, But again, then you're spending a card to flip your battle. I don't know how good that is, actually, yeah. thinking about it now. But still nice to have it onto the card. Yeah. And then the number three slot, I've got Chomping Kavu, which is three and a green for a three, three with backup one. And it can't be blocked by creatures power two or less. Yeah, I like that card a lot. I mean, without the variability, we just we've seen that before as a four mana four four with that text at uncommon. Now it has like it has upside and it's a common. It's pretty sick. Yes. Didn't make my top three commons though. I'll tell you what did in my number three slot. Placid Rotten Tail. Single green for a one-one fungus rabbit with vigilance. And you can pay two and a green to exile it from your graveyard at sorcery speed to put two plus one plus one counters on target creature. I don't I don't see it. This card looks horrible to me. What am I missing? This card is a lot closer to Icker Drinker than you're giving it credit for, I think. Like this is again a great place to dump backup counters, a great thing that then later on dumps counters somewhere else. I think this is I think this is basically a two for one as a one drop. Basically a two for one as a one drop. Like, what, yeah. what? this is not, I mean, I get that Icar Drinker is different. Lifelink is different than Vigilance. Getting a 2-2 Incubate is different than two counters. But like, they're very similar cards, I think. Yeah, I am considerably less excited about Placid Rotten Tail, but I could be wrong for sure. Yeah, I, I like the card. I like the card a lot. I try, try to have a nice hot take in each of my number three slots as best I, I can. I like it. I like it. Got to keep the content fresh. That's right. All right, moving on to the green uncommons. More invasions for me. More four drops. In the number one slot, I've got Invasion of Zendikar. Three and a green for a three defense battle. Then ETBs, you search your library for two basic land cards. Put them on the battlefield. Tap, then shuffle. This card is so broken. Yeah. Then it transforms into Awakened Skyclave. Four, four, Vigilance Haste. As long as it's on the battlefield, it's a land in addition to its other types. And you can tap to add one mana of any color. Yep, I, that's in my number two. I have I have the 
same top two as you, just flipped. My number one is Invasion of Muraganda, four and a green for a six defense battle. When it enters the battlefield, you put a plus and plus one counter on target creature you control. Then that creature fights up to one target creature you don't control. If you are able to defeat the battle, it flips into Primordial Plasm. It's a 4-4 four, four ooze. At the beginning of combat on your turn, another target creature gets plus two, plus two, and loses all abilities until end of turn. These two invasions are absolutely busted. Yes, completely agree. Um, well, try as we might to make this a shorter episode, Ben. We couldn't do it. There's too much too much to discuss. And I, I really like that... It feels simultaneously like we're both very much on the same page and also have very different perspectives on how this format may play out. Well, I think we just have a different picture of the gameplay. I think we both think battles are going to be important. I just... One of us thinks that we need to play two drops. <laughs> yes, I agree that you need to play two drops. I just also think the four drops that sw- the three and four drops that swing combat i'm probably overrating because there are plenty of cards that give you that effect right right it's not it's not a very unique thing to find a four drop that lets you swing combat in your favor to kill a battle which i am probably overrating because i'm rating all of them highly but mm-hmm. i do think that effect's going to be important or game breaking or whatever but yes I, I agree that my all of my four drop takes <laughs> Cannot cannot be correct. <laughs> um, any any parting thoughts before we uh, we wait for early access this week and uh, some paper pre release action at our LGS? I think battles, 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 curve, mm-hmm. curve, curve. Despite despite my love of <laughs> despite my love of four drops. Also, we haven't talked about removal that much. I anticipate removal to be incredible in this format. Yeah, I agree. Because you're going to be able to swing combat in your favor and then kill a battle. I just think the whole the whole format's going to be about killing a battle, I think. Which may seem uh, in antithesis to the fact that we didn't really list a lot of removal spells in our top comments. So that's not true. We, we have we have basically one in uh, in each of the top common slots. Yeah, well, because you're going to need the threats to leverage the removal, right? Yes, that's the thing I think cannot be understated is like, Threats, threats, threats is what you need if it's if it's about battles, battles, battles. Yes. Yeah. All right. Great place to wrap us up. Thank you, as always, to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. Check out our other content, our Lords of Limited YouTube channel, our streams. I'm at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware. Ben is at twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome, Mr. Spelled Out. You can find us under those same usernames on Twitter, and you can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later. I'm shocked, shocked and appalled, honestly, at your grade for this next card. This is